Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You know, they said this would never happen. So, you know, if they didn't know, Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, April 5th starts now. On today's show, it's Wednesday, so Monroe Anderson is here for Monroe Wednesdays, along with the great Delmarie Cobb to talk the mayoral election, the Trump indictments, and so much more. The Ben Jarofsky show brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and so much more. All information you want to know, it's all at ChicagoReader.com. And don't forget more from Ben Jarofsky at ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-B is in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Why Brandon Won Wednesday, and here's why. Because it's Wednesday, and Brandon won. Brandon Johnson won. I can't believe it, even as I'm saying it. I'm just an old lefty who always believes my team is going to lose, and that is reality. I don't need a political show. I need a psychiatrist, okay? I'm a, just a self-hating lefty. Delmarie Cobb, our distinguished guest, and Monroe Anderson are laughing because they know I always work from the assumption my team is going to lose. You know I was rooting for Brandon, folks. I could say it now that the election's over because before the election, it would be like making an endorsement. But now that the election's over, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to hide it. I haven't been this happy about a local election since, well, I guess 1983, uh, when the great Harold Washington won. Before I begin, I'm going to give a heartfelt shout out uh, to the person who I believe uh, we should all remember on this day. Without her, there would be no Brandon Johnson election. And that, of course, is the great, the legendary. She's on my Mount Rushmore of all-time great Chicago activist politicians, Karen Lewis. Delmarie knows what I'm talking about. Monroe knows what I'm talking about. Without Karen Lewis's courage and vision and just ballsiness, I don't know what else to call it, to challenge Rahm Emanuel in 2011 when most Chicagoans were hiding under a table, afraid to go after him, I do not believe there would be a movement that would have elected Brandon Johnson. Karen was ready to run in 2015, as you recall. Uh, and she got uh, brain cancer. Unfortunately, uh, she um, was unable to run. I still believe she would have mopped the floor with Rahm Emanuel. I will always believe that. Maybe that's just because I want to believe it. Uh, but uh, it was Karen Lewis who was the inspiration for this movement. It was her vision. It was her uh, idea. It was her dream. I wish she could be with us today to celebrate. But I'm thinking of you, Karen. Uh, I'm all thinking about you all the time, but especially today. In my opinion, and then we'll turn things over to Delmaria Monroe, in my opinion, uh, there are uh, 
three reasons, top reasons, that Brandon Johnson was victorious over Paul Vallis yesterday. Number one, the black vote. I cannot say this enough. People forget black people get to vote too. <laughs> and I'm watching the election results come in and all the Paul Vallis people are so excited because I guess they were counting the white votes first or the white wards first in the South. And all of a sudden the black votes started coming in <laughs> and the margins started shrieking. And it was like classic MAGA reaction. You know, I saw it happen with Trump on election night 2020. Monroe knows what I'm talking about. As soon as they start counting votes other than MAGA, they start, oh, what's going on here? This isn't right. MAGA, other people get to vote. You're not the only one who gets to vote. That's not how it works in a democracy. And the black vote was 80%, Delmaria Monroe, 80% in the black wards for Brandon Johnson. And a lot of people didn't anticipate this. And my sense of it, and I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on this when you start talking, my sense of it is that a lot of it has to do with the debate. Because Brandon Johnson went, I don't know, it's like a half dozen debates or forums. I've lost track of them all. He more than held his own against Paul Vallis. And Delmarie, the last time you were on the show, you said Brandon Johnson is not a really well-known person in Chicago. But when folks saw him on stage with Paul Vallis, Holding his own, counter punching. Paul Vallis hit a punch. He punched him back. He was sharp and on his, and he knew his stuff. And I do believe that was the turning point. And it didn't matter about Jesse White in his endorsement, or Rod Sawyer in his endorsement, or Sophia King and her endorsement, or Jamal Green and his endorsement. People saw it with their own eyes. 80%. That's a hard margin to overcome. That's called black political power, in my humble opinion. The second thing is the ground game. Very, very impressive. Squadrons of Brandon Johnson uh, supporters, door to door, making sure their voters come out. Old school, independent politics. The independents learned it from the machine. If you were going to beat the machine, you had to understand the fundamentals of politics. You had to, That's how Harold Washington won. I'm talking about even before he became mayor, when he won for uh, Congress over Benny Stewart in 1980, long ago election, huge pivotal election in, in Chicago political history. When he won for state senator against Daley Machine, he knew how to play the game. He knew how... He, they, they knew how to identify their voters and get their voters. A ground game is still important. And finally, I guess it's kind of tied to that, the lakefront. No, uh, north of diverse, uh, yeah, diversity. Right. Yeah, yeah. I know Monroe's laughing at me because he knows I got dyslexia. North of diversity, between diversity and Riders Park, you take a look at those numbers. Brandon got 50% plus in the 44th Ward. That's Tom Tunney's Ward. Alderman Tom Tunney was coming out strong for Vallis. Brandon beat him in that ward. Brandon won the 46th ward, Helen Schiller's old uptown ward. Brandon won the 48th ward, which is Edgewater. And then he he really cleaned clock in the 49th ward in Rogers Park. There are uh, still a few liberals on the lakefront. Just a few of them. Ben, you're stuck in the 80s. What has happened since then? is that the white population in Chicago has changed. 
uh, a lot of the ethnics, not all by any stretch, but a lot have moved out of the city. And a lot of young, um, uh, young and younger whites with a college education, many of them um, technical types have moved in. And so it's, 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 it's a, a, a bird of a different feather. It's a different, it's a different white person is what you're right. saying. Okay. Right. Uh, I will buy that uh, to a certain degree. And in uh, your neck of the woods, not picking on Lincoln Park, but that was pretty pathetic. Lincoln Park get turnout for all valleys. I thought you were supposed to be liberals. I thought you're supposed to believe in women's right to choose. You went for the MAGA man. And the 42nd War was even more pathetic. The old Gold Coast Ward uh, with uh, Brendan Riley's ward went big time. So, yes, uh, Monroe, I think there's a distinction. And finally, before I turn things over, uh, get Del Marie's comments, Monroe, I got to say this. The crying, the post-election sobbing coming from MAGA, they are the worst losers in the world. And this weekend, when uh, Angel Reese from LSU, I'm going to do a little basketball tangent here, uh, did some trash talking to Caitlin Clark from Iowa. I never heard so much crying. David Axelrod was crying. They're all here crying about how mean she is for trash talking, and she didn't respect the Caitlin Clark. Man, you should <laughs> they go right back to it, Monroe. When they're not happy, they let everybody, oh, the socialists have taken over. This is, somebody just sent uh, a tweet out uh, that says, uh, I'll read this one to you about how, um, here we go. Uh, Lori Lightfoot destroyed half the city. Brandon Johnson is going to destroy the other half of Chicago. This is from Fox. They are the worst losers and the worst winners. <laughs> the biggest babies. Uh, and uh, just an arrogant bunch of bullies, and they got their, they got, they're, they were defeated yesterday. Liars, so. Yeah, well, that. <laughs> All right, uh, political strategist Del Marie, you've been very patiently sitting through me uh, and my thoughts. Your thoughts, take it away. No, it was a wonderful night last night. I wound up being on uh, Channel 5 with Bert Olderson and Jamal Green. And uh, at the very beginning, when the uh, numbers were coming in, um, they were more than full of themselves, and uh, and Bert was reading the uh, numbers and the vote tallies, and you know it, it was going to be a good night for Paul Vallis. And while we were on set, uh, it started to change. <laughs> the ground under them was shifting, and um, it uh, at the end when we got off set, Bert ran out of there trying to figure out what was wrong with the numbers. <laughs> And, and as I said to uh, them, I said, yeah, everybody's sitting up here with all their stats and I'm talking anecdotally because one of the things I said jokingly was white people vote on the way to work and black people vote on the way home. Right. And and, that, and that's how the numbers change. <laughs> oh, that's a good line. <laughs> uh so talk a little bit about, uh, oh my God, you were on the same set with uh, Jay Mulgreen. That must have been a trip. Because uh, then he had to run out of the set to go over. I saw him at Paul Vallis headquarters. Oh, he had to hurry up and get on the stage. Both of them. Uh, both of them had run, run, run over to Paul Vallis headquarters. Um, what were they in a hurry for? Yeah. <laughs> because well, when, I, when I saw Vallis's from, from on, w, on WGN, when I saw Vallis's um, 
set. Everybody looked like they were um, ready to cry. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, all right. So, Del Maria, let me get get your thoughts about the black vote in Chicago. Eighty percent uh, for Brandon Johnson. Eighty percent. And uh, and that's what we said it needed to be. It needed to be eighty percent. Uh, typically, people vote less in a runoff than they do uh, in a uh, in the in the first half of a race or a primary normally. Um, and so whatever ha ha whatever happened, it was going to have to be a solid block. And uh, that's what it turned out to be, a solid block. I mean, uh, neither Vallis nor uh, Brandon got a one black ward of uh, February 28th. And uh, but Brandon built on his uh, north side support and um, got the Lori voter, Lori Lightfoot voters. And uh, then he did get some Latino voters in Pilsen. And, um, and so that's why he was able to pull together. And I always said, if he cobbles, if he can cobble the different groups, he could have enough to win. And he was able to cobble enough that he was able to win. And um, it was remarkable to see the uh, shift as it was happening. Did you uh, think that the debates played a role as I was saying earlier in my uh, comments? Oh, absolutely. And as, as Monroe knows better than me, uh, that's what was pivotal for Harold Washington. When he ran in 1983 was Black people seeing uh, Harold Washington handle himself uh, so adeptly against uh, Byrne and, uh, and Daly. And so, you know, for a lot of a lot of people think, you know, I, I heard somebody say last night, maybe there were too many debates because their messaging didn't change. Yeah, well, the bottom line is if you're running a disciplined campaign, your messaging messaging doesn't change. Right. It's supposed to change. Uh, part of uh, a campaign is repetitive, uh, saying the same thing so people understand where you where you are on the uh, on the issues. Um, last thing you want to do is, is flip flop. Uh, so people don't know where you stand. But uh, African-Americans, in many cases, when they're not going to be able to go to the actual debate or forums in the communities, they rely on watching debates on the air. I have many people ask me who are, have nothing to do with politics. They're just ordinary voters. Del Marie, did you see the debate last night? They're like, no, I didn't see the debate. I'm going to watch it today as I'm getting dressed. They were like, oh, but you are going to watch it. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to watch it. I have to watch it. <laughs> Monroe, your thoughts? Oh no, I, I, I he, he, Brandon did okay. Now, my, my problem, actually, I, I have the same problem you do, Ben, is that um, Harold, Harold Washington is my gold standard, <laughs> and nobody's, nobody yet has come up to to that. But he, but, but he's young compared to what Harold was, and. Um, he doesn't have as much experience, and um, he 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 did himself proud um, after you factor those two elements in. You know, uh, Delmarie Monroe and I were talking about this before we we're there, and I, I'm a baby boomer, and I'm going to stop. I'm going to really try to. It's hard to say I'm going to completely stop doing talking about Harold Washington <laughs> because Monroe and I were just having this conversation. Delmarie, we were like, "There's only one Harold Washington." And to compare every politician that comes after Harold Washington to the greatest is like comparing a basketball player to Michael Jordan. 
You know, there's only one greatest. Do you follow what I'm saying? And I, I guess I should just let it go and let Brandon be Brandon or let, you know, whoever the politician is just find their own way. I feel like many people in my generation, just we like reminisce, we go back to Harold uh, or Jesse Jackson in 88. You should have seen Jesse Jackson in 88, you know, that kind of conversation. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, wow, what a, uh, the speech he gave at the Democratic Convention was unbelievable. And it was an unbelievable speech. But there's only one Jesse Lewis Jackson. Uh, Delmer. There's only one Mario Cuomo. What a speech he gave in 1984 at the Democratic right. Convention, you know. So uh, I'm going to make that uh, I'm going to make that pledge right here, which I'll probably break in a couple of days. Uh, are you are you about ready to make the same pledge? Delmarie? Do you think it's unfair to com keep comparing all these uh, young politicians to Harold? Well, I haven't really been comparing them to Harold, but what I've been comparing them is the city's governance to when Harold was mayor. Uh, so my my standard was, you know, where we were as a city in terms of governing and issues. And uh, and that's what we haven't seen. And that's what I've been looking for uh, in someone who who felt like he felt about the city and about the neighborhoods. Uh, and it wasn't just, you know, for daily neighborhoods alive was just rhetoric uh, for Harold Washington. It was a belief system for for um, Brandon. It's a belief system. I mean, when you have somebody just think this is probably the first mayor that we've had in decades whose children go to public school. So that's the first thing. Rom's children went to private school. Lori's children went to child uh, daughter goes to private school. Uh, Daly's child children went to private school. So everybody has gone to private school. We actually have somebody whose children are in public school. We actually have somebody who lives in a black community that's a solidly black community, not a high park, but a black community that uh, has all the problems of, a, of the black community in Chicago, including the violence. So when you're, when you're lecturing a person who is living in the violence about public safety, you're lecturing them about public safety and you have no idea what it's like uh, uh, to see, you know, when you hear on the news, a grandfather who's sitting in the kitchen having ice cream with his children, grandchildren, and he gets killed by a stray bullet. You know, that's that's what we're up against for us is Russian roulette every time we get up in the morning. That's not the case for everybody else. So to lecture me on public safety. So that's why I I compare every candidate to what Harold was as a governor, as someone who governed the city. Uh, that's a, that was a great riff. Monroe, uh, you got anything to add to that? Well, I, I, I've, I've said this before, and I'll say it again, that people, white people in the city of Chicago really didn't care about the crime as long as it was on the south and west sides. It's only when it came to Oak Street or Lincoln Park or um, other places, some ethnic communities, that suddenly it became a crisis and, and something had to be done about it. And, and uh, while it, it happens around here, it's not to the extent, it, it's not Russian roulette, as Delmarie uh, has just said. It's it's um it's 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 still 
except for the the the, the robberies and the smash and grabs, it's, there's no comparison. What goes on in some places versus others? Well, I'll, I'll take it one step further, and I believe there's a different attitude about crime when a black person is the mayor than when there's a white person as the mayor in this city. It's not just I Monroe's point that he's been making, Del Marie, uh, for the last two months on this show, is absolutely on target. Uh, I. Monroe, I remember Rahm Emanuel going out, to, I think it was Stanford Business School, trying to recruit the, the graduates to Chicago. And he was talking about crime in Chicago. And he said, you don't have to worry. It's only in about, I forget how many police districts. He literally said that to them. You right. know what I mean? To your right. point. I was like, this was his pitch. Don't worry about it. It's just in a handful of communities. You don't even have to go to those communities. You can right. exist. And it's cheaper than New York. That was his pitch. Del Marie, there is a different attitude about the mayor. When there's high crime and crime goes up and down in Chicago, all three of us have lived here for a lot of years. We know it goes up and down. It'll, I think we're heading down right yeah, now. Yeah, we are actually. We are heading down right now. And you, oh my God, a balance been elected. They've been giving him all the credit. But when there's a white mayor in and there's crime, it's like, well, it's. What can you do? It's crime in Chicago. You know, it's beyond. I, I mean, a mayor can only do so much. But when it's a black mayor, it's like, what have you done about it lately? Have you done something about it? Almost like they're saying, it's your people doing this. Clean them up. That's my attitude. What's your thoughts, Del Marie? No, that does have something to do with it. And so when you have a Lori Lightfoot and a David Brown uh, collectively, but, you know, the solve rate didn't start uh, on David Brown's watch. Uh, you know, people weren't, the, the other superintendents weren't solving crime either. And and so when you have a group of people who think they can literally get away with murder because they're getting away with murder, uh, what is the deterrent? Where's the deterrent? I mean, I remember my friend, um, uh, Nancy Walker, who uh, was abducted in uh, 2003. And um, the police, I mean, to this day, we don't know what happened. If it hadn't been for them, uh, finding her body dismembered uh, in, a, in plastic bags by city workers along the expressway, their attitude was she had walked away. That's what they told us. They kept telling us she had walked away. And we kept saying, nobody walks away from five businesses. She has five businesses. She didn't walk away. She just told her sister, I'm on my way to see you. I'll be there. I'm running late. So that was the kind of attitude you were dealing with. That was under Phil Klein that that happened. Uh, so no matter, you know, that's, that's, that there is no deterrent if you can get away with murder. And so we've got to solve the crime problem in this city. I mean, when you have Kiara Cole and Brandon mentioned her uh, on the campaign trail, how do you have a postal worker who you see on camera leaving her house and then she disappears in thin air and we don't know what happened? But had it, you know, but if it were, were and we don't care what happens right, right. for certain people. Exactly. But if it's a little, but if it's a, a young white woman, uh, it becomes a national story. Everybody's supposed to worry about it. But if it's a young black woman, oh, well, you know, so she must have been with the wrong crowd. So uh, when you look at this last election and how in the final analysis, what impact did crime play, in your opinion? 
Del Maria Monroe. In other words, the leftiest mayor, the leftiest candidate of the of this century was elected uh, in in a time when we were told that the Democrats have to be law and order. The Democrats have to go the Eric Adams route. The Democrats have to be like Dirty Harry. And uh, I mean, I watched Kim Fox get reelected in 2020. The same thing was said then. She can't win. She got she won the primary and then she won the general 2020. And now here I am in uh, 2023 and I'm watching Kwame Rao in 2022, by the way, Governor Pritzker in 2022 ran as criminal justice reformers, Delmarie, both victorious and uh, Brandon Johnson. Now the leftiest of left. How long before the narrative changes? about law and order in politics in uh i'll start with you delmarie and then monroe you weigh in well part of the problem is that the democratic establishment doesn't understand black people first of all i mean i can tell you having worked these campaigns um i have screamed and yelled and pulled my hair out and stopped my feet trying to explain to them things that they should say and do and their attitude is always the same that black people have nowhere else to go so we have nowhere else to go. But what I keep say saying to them is, you do understand when black people have nowhere else to go, they don't go anywhere. So right. they don't leave their house, they don't vote. And when black people don't vote, Democrats don't win. I said, so you do understand that, right? But they don't get it. I mean, they do not get it because in their minds, why would you elect a Republican? You can't, you're not gonna elect a Republican so you've got to elect us no matter what we're saying and um and and they and you know and you try to make the case and they don't hear it that's the same way with this public safety debate black people hear public safety very differently than white people hear public safety it goes back to what we were just talking about the kinds of crimes that are being committed on the south and west side versus the kinds of crimes that are com being committed in the more affluent white areas and so the problem is that white people are experiencing crime for the first time. They're not, they can't be in their little comfort zone, their little bubble where they can walk their dogs at one and two in the morning and they can jog whenever they want to and they can go out and, and have their ear, earbuds in their ear and not pay attention and play on their phones and go to the neighborhood bar and, and get high and, and, and then stumble home and yet they're safe. So they can't do that now. Black, black people on the South and West side ain't been able to do that forever. Right. <laughs> I don't know when we've been able to do that because I would be crazy to have some earbuds in my ear walking down the street. <laughs> you probably find my head on the sidewalk somewhere. <laughs> right. That was yeah, some no, rift. <laughs> right, right. Gr grow, growing up in Gary as a teenager, the one thing I, I learned to do very early was read the streets. Right. You, you see the people approaching you and you you figure out whether they could possibly do you harm or not before you you get close to each other whereas here they just read color you know i've been scaring white women in lincoln park for 40 years that's why they had to put i remember as a little girl uh the reason they put um a deadline uh, um on the um on the parks, a curfew on the parks, uh, because 
there was a, couple, a series of white women who were raped in uh, Grand Park when I was a little girl for walking their dogs in the middle of the night. And finally, they, the city had to put a curfew so that so if you don't have enough sense not to go out there at 12 o'clock at night to walk your dog, then we're going to put a curfew on the parks so that you don't walk your dogs. But so it's always been like that. Um, and and I remember my mom, just like you said, um, Monroe, telling me, don't let anybody split on you. If you see a group of people coming toward you, don't let them split up and you walk right. in the middle, you know, stop. Right. Go to the side, go into the middle of the street, stand there, wait, let them pass. <laughs> do whatever you have to do. Now, how many white people are having that conversation with their children? I heard that story all my life. I'm still trying to picture uh, Delmarie Cobb wanting to go out at about midnight to a club to smoke marijuana. That's the thing. I, on that riff you just went on, white people smoking marijuana. Well, I wasn't morning. talking about marijuana. I was talking about alcohol. Oh, alcohol. Okay. Uh, I can see Monroe Anderson maybe well, going yeah, out too. Well, morning. you know, but, but with the park curfew, mm -hmm. uh, the other, the other, uh, the other thing about it was when they put the curfew in, then if you were uh, black mm -hmm. and walking around in the park, they would remind you that there was a curfew <laughs> and encourage you to leave. Whereas if you were white and walking around, they would remind you that there was a curfew and that you should be careful. Right. <laughs> right. All right. I'm going to uh, read you this quote. I've read it both to both of you already, uh, but I'm going to read it to you and get your reactions. Uh, Delmarie, this is uh, Lynn Sweet in the uh, Chicago Sun-Times, today's Chicago Sun-Times, and Lynn Sweet is the uh, political writer for the Sun-Times based at, in Washington, D.C. She's the, the, the uh, Washington bureau chief. Washington bureau chief. Uh, 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 and um, so her analysis uh, of the election is that the big winner was Joe Biden. The, the big winner of yesterday's race was Joe Biden. Uh <laughs> And I didn't know he was on the ballot. Uh, anyway, Joe Biden was the big winner in yesterday's, not Brandon Johnson, but it was Joe uh, uh, Biden because uh, the runoff found Brandon Johnson galloping toward the center, moving away from his lefty, tax the rich, defund the police pals who are alienating some liberal Democrats who don't agree with extremist politics. Uh, and the runoff showed the more conservative Paul Vallis sprinting away from statements he made about abortion rights while distancing self, himself from the footsie he played with Republicans. Democrats can use this election as a cautionary case study. Middle-class, older black voters, whom Democrats absolutely must have to keep the White House and control Congress, are not writ large that progressive especially compared with Chicago white voters in the North Lake Front Wars. I just want to point something out before I turn it over to Del Maria Monroe. I will repeat what I said. The black vote in Chicago was 80%. 80% for Brandon Johnson. I don't know how you could get that black voters are particularly conservative out of an 80% vote for the lefty. Secondly, the best you got on the lakefront from white people is like 50 something percent. I know there were some white wards like Rogers Park uh, that went over 60 percent, but there's a lot of black people who live in Rogers Park, Del Marie. 
There's right. a lot of Hispanic people in uh, Rogers Park. It's not all white people. So I do not know how you could say that white people are on the lakefront or leftier than black people when one more time, Delmarie, and I know I'm not a math scholar, but I do know that 80% is greater than 50%. Help me, Delmarie Cobb. Are black people that conservative? If they're so conservative, why did 80% of them go vote for Brendan Johnson? Why did 90% of them vote for Jesse Lewis Jackson in 1988, which was the most leftiest? <laughs> you know this. You were the press secretary. It was Bernie Sanders 30 years before Bernie Sanders. He was calling for national health care. And Harold Washington was a lefty, too. Please help me understand how black people are so conservative when they vote for all these lefties. Go. Because, again, it goes back to what I said earlier about hearing it differently. Um, when, in their minds, because we are the victims of crime disproportionately in the city, when you talk about law and order, uh, as Vallis did, and give get tough on crime, we were supposed to respond to that. Because now you're talking about our safety. But that's not our experience. Our experience with the law, uh, with law enforcement is not officer friendly. And so we don't necessarily think that we're going to be safer when officer friendly shows up uh, right. than we would if one of the gangbangers showed up. I mean, we might think that we could talk to, well, son, listen, so and so, so and so. You know, I mean, so that's, that's what they don't understand. They're judge, trying to judge us by their standard. And public safety, the, the public safety that Vallis was talking about for the Gold Coast residents, for the for the Brendan Riley and Brian Hopkins uh, uh, residents, yes, you have made my life uncomfortable. I can't do my usual routine without now being worried. Whereas for Black people, that's a that's a standard. It doesn't leave us. I mean, it's well, and, and, well. And the other thing I think that's important, Del Marie, is that not only are you afraid of the the, the thugs, but you're afraid of the cops too, because you never know how they're going to respond to you and, and what they're going to do at any given time. So, as a black person, right? So you, it's 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 completely different than it is for for white folks. And so that's what Lynn doesn't get. Uh, she's thinking, I mean, I don't understand what she's thinking, because if, if ba based on what she's saying, 80% of black people would have voted for Vallis. <laughs> but Lynn, Lynn is thinking, she's in, in Washington. She's, she's a Washington reporter, and so she's thinking from that bubble. That's basically what she, she's thinking about. Because I, I, I don't know of many people that were personally that, that went to vote yesterday thinking about Biden. Biden, <laughs> Biden was not in their minds. Biden's the winner. I'm like, Biden's the winner. <laughs> I'm like, Biden is the winner. Man, Joe Biden owes absolutely everything in his political career to black people. Let's just get it out there, all right? He owes absolutely everything to black. It's not like he came up with some kind of formula to help black people. Monroe, Delmarie, Monroe and I had this debate 
throughout the presidential cycle. You may have been dragged into it at one point or another. I was a Bernie guy. Everybody knows it. Monroe voted for Biden. He gets mad when I call him a Biden guy because his heart's with Bernie. He just didn't think Bernie could win. Right. Okay. No. I, you, I, am I right? I liked Bernie's liberal <laughs> uh, positions, but I Bernie wasn't going to win, period. Uh, as as I, I told you many times that if he was the candidate, the uh, the right wing, the Republicans would have political ads with his picture and an arm and ha hammer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that would just be what it was. If if they turned uh, Barack into a Christian, I mean, into a Muslim, a Muslim then they would easily turn, turn Bernie into this horrible, horrible communist. Okay. Oh, the same. I agree. I said the same thing. And and I said to to um, Ben that, yeah, my heart might be in 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 sync with uh, Bernie. But, you know, my, my position was, where's Bernie been? Uh, you know, Bernie should have been out there a long time ago. Well, okay. So that's a totally different uh, subject. Where's Bernie been? Because I do believe uh, that was a huge factor in uh, why um, – Black people didn't support Bernie in 2016 against Hillary Clinton and in 2020 uh, in uh, against Biden. Although I, I actually think that Monroe's analysis is closer for 2020. I think where Bernie's been was 2016. 2020 was like, we got to beat Trump. This this Biden has a better chance than uh, Bernie, the, the Monroe position. But that does not mean, in my humble opinion, uh, Delmarie and Monroe, that black people are rejecting Bernie's agenda. And it just seems like the Democratic establishment is always trying to tell us that black people are rejecting what? I call it New Deal policies. It's just basic Democratic policies. They call them socialism now, Delmarie. But when, but like when I was growing up, what I learned from my parents, that was FDR, New Deal programs you help people you use government to help people yeah they called it socialism back then too bit that what gets true go ahead, well, go well, ahead Delbert. Well, the problem is, is i mean again what what they don't seem to understand is for a lot of black people that was the beginning of them being a uh, democrat was right. the new deal was fdr that right. is when a lot of black people became democrat because before that they were republican and then john kennedy was the next a group of black people becoming Democrat. So when they're saying that, they're not understanding the history of it. It's, it's, so it's not that black people are conservative or we're, you know, versus progressive. It really is about who is who better, uh, who is better to address our needs, who's right. trying to address our needs, who's at least talking about our needs. And again, in, in Vala's case, as I said from the very beginning, you can draw a line from Vallis's policies and proposals as CEO of CPS to the schools closing, to the violence we are experiencing today. You can draw a straight line because a lot of those people didn't even go back to school when the schools closed. And a lot of people aren't going to school when they got across three and four gang territories or go to the other side of town because there is no neighborhood school. So it's, black people know this, black people can go outside their door and look at their community. They don't have to guess what 35 years of disinvestment has done. 
All they have to do is go outside their door. So we've got 35 years of evidence that these policies aren't working for us. And when they tore down the public housing uh, and were supposed to have this other housing built for, for folks, it wasn't there. And so you had kids who were homeless as a result of that, who, who had lived in, 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 in uh, Robert Taylor homes or someplace, and now it's gone and there's nothing been built, although that's what they, they, they had asked Grayson Mitchell to help, Daly had asked him to, to, to um, come up with some plan for moderate housing. And um, that didn't happen because I, I think that was just um, something they could say they were doing. Oh, that, that, well, it's the same thing with uh, businesses. So Myers uh, Ace Hardware, which was over here by me all my life, I've been going there since I was a little bitty girl, and they have been there a hundred years. And uh, when he finally, when the son finally gave up the business, he said the reason he gave it up is because he lost ten thousand customers when the projects got torn down. Right. And even though they told him it was going to come back, don't worry, your your customers will be back because we're going to rebuild. He said, "I waited as long as I could, and it never happened." And so we don't even think of the uh, think about that. Uh, that's how many businesses that also helped to decimate our community. Because not only did you drive out the people, you drove out the businesses. Yeah. Right. Right. All right, uh, I'm going to read you another uh, quote from a different column uh, in today's Sun-Times. This one written by Natalie Moore uh, and would absolutely love to hear the two of you riff on this. Uh, and so Matt, Natalie Moore and wrote this, and this is, um, the headline is, after a tight race, black political establishment may face reckoning. <laughs> and she's talking about the various black elected officials who endorsed uh, Paul Vallis over Brandon Johnson. Uh, okay, here we go. Brandon Johnson ended up winning the election, but we do know that much of the black establishment had backed Vallis. Retired Secretary of State Jesse White quickly threw his support behind him once the runoff was determined. Perennial candidate Willie Wilson pleaded with black voters and black radio to vote for Vallis. Former Congressman Bobby Rush and former Illinois State Senator President Emil Jones put their names on the Vallis list. Alder persons, Emma Mitz, Walter Burnett, Michelle Harris, Derek Curtis, Roderick Sawyer, Anthony Beal, and David Moore used their political capital to vouch for Vallis. There's a whiff of all school plantation politics. And the quote from Natalie Moore, plantation politics. Monroe, uh, Monroe, we'll start with you and go to Del Marie. Okay. Do, as you, I, as, do you believe there'll be a reckoning? Go. Yeah. As I said in my column uh, in, in the tribe about Vallis, is apparently the white man's ice is colder. <laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. He used that last week, uh, Del Marie. I mean, it just cracked. No, two weeks ago, he just cracked me up. White man's ice is cold. No, always. Oh, Lord. That is just so funny, man. No, uh, I, you, 
I asked uh, Mariah Wolfel that question some years back. I said, Mariah, have you ever heard this saying, the white man's ice is colder? She's like, no. I said, well, in the black community, believe me, <laughs> it's it's well known saying in the black community because we have to live with that every day. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Monroe and I can talk about that in the position in just the roles we've had. Uh, how many people have chosen to hire somebody white over choosing us because, of course, the white person can do it better. Or, or value their opinion. Exactly. I mean, something is is minor or value their uh, opinion. So wait a minute. Now hold on. Let me make sure I understand what you're saying. Are you saying that all these black people uh, endorsed Paul Vallis because they thought he was just going to be better at running the city of Chicago than Brandon Johnson? I, I'm going to push back a little bit if that's what you're saying. I believe they all cut deals of one kind or another. Yeah, no, so they, some did, some did, but no, some believed that uh, Vallis was going to be better. Well, one of those people on that list said that in a panel I was on in a room full of white people that Chicago would be better with a black with a white mayor. <laughs> wow. Right. <laughs> and I, I almost fell out. <laughs> it took all I had not to jump across the table. It was I, you're so you're not identifying this person. Is that because you don't want to embarrass this person? Is that yes, it? Yes, because if he doesn't know better, I know better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of white people, by the way, I'm gonna give you let, let you on a secret that you already knew. <laughs> a, a lot of white people just automatically assume that the white person is going to be better. Right. Absolutely. Automatically assume it. No, it's the default position. Well, uh, all you have to do yes, is the default position is that okay. Here's here here's as it should be. Now you may find the exceptional black person that can do as well, not better, as well. But it's the default position. Is that white people know, you know, my father knows best. Well, this is a perfect example. I mean, this race is a perfect example of that. Here you have Paul Vallis, and I think I mentioned this to you before. Um here you have Paul Vallis, who lost in 2002 when he ran for governor. He lost in 2014 when he was lieutenant governor for Pat Quinn. He lost in 2019. He came in ninth. He and, and then suddenly, now, as Brandon said, and everybody knows what Brandon was saying when he said that, he was allowed to fail up. Why was he allowed to fail up? And the words political hack were never used. Now, when Roland Burris ran two or three times after having been an attorney general, after having been the comptroller three times, after having been the highest vote getter statewide, after having been the first black man elected statewide, when he ran two or three times and lost, he was a political hack. They never used that word to describe Paul Vallis, who has never won anything ever. And the three school, the three school districts that we know that he he ran all ended up with deficits Absolutely. when he left. Absolutely. And instead, they called him moderate Democrat. They called him technocrat. They called him policy wonk. <laughs> they never talked about uh, his failures. They never talked about he was a political hack. He was a viable candidate from the start. Had he been black? 
that would have never been the case. You know, and I'm just going to throw this out here because, and I don't mean to go down the wonk path into policy, but one of the things I, I watched uh, the various uh, debaters on Channel 9 last night, and whenever they get to talking about Brandon Johnson's uh, proposals and ideas, they always talk about he's going to tax, tax, tax. He's going to tax, tax, tax. He talk, and and then they uh, they come right back and say the city is facing a fiscal crisis. We don't have enough revenue to meet our obligations. What are we going to do? What can he do? And I'm like, well, which one is it? What you you're either going to meet the fiscal obligations means you're going to have to raise revenue somewhere. Vallis was going to have to do that as well. Well, once again, somehow or other. Vallis was treated like a, a fiduciary wizard, Delmarie Cobb. Like somehow or other, he was going to figure out a way to meet our financial obligations without raising taxes. Well, and, no, ahead. that's exactly right. He was going to figure that out without raising taxes. And um, and and one of the ways he was going to do it was you know, video poker, which, <laughs> which is the casino next door, um, and wow. make sure that black people have nothing left. Um, that's what he was going to do. And but that's okay because as long as you're feeing and finding us and 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 having regressive policies that hurt us, again, that's okay. And the only people they were worried about leaving the city were businesses, wealthy white people about leaving the city. One, they were going to leave the city for crime. Then they were going to leave the city because of the head tax. Then they were going to leave the city because he uh, was taxing the hotels and we got the highest hotel uh, rate in the, in the nation. Now, they don't say anything about the fact that all these hotels now are adding a resort fee to your daily uh, uh, stay and, and no resort. Uh, what kind of tax is that? They're adding $20 a night to your bill. What, that's a bigger tax than somebody adding $2 to your stay. I mean, so come on, people. I mean, I just thought it was unbelievable that it's fine if you if 250,000 black people leave the city, but heaven forbid if our affluent white people start leaving the city because of all these taxes. Yeah, and by the way, Monroe, uh, just you're my man in Lincoln Park. Uh, my first sale signs gone up, up and down Lincoln Park since uh, Brandon Johnson won. Just curious, or are we having white flight uh, of rich people in Lincoln Park yet? No, I didn't think so. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Keep us posted on that one. Right. All right. Uh, so before we well, leave, life, life yeah. is life is good over here. I can tell you, <laughs> <laughs> they aren't going anywhere. His life is good in Lincoln right. Park. They have, but you... the, they have all the city services and conveniences, and, and they're close to the lake. Yeah, no. Uh, but good they're the first one crying. <laughs> nice police protection. Oh, Lord. All right. Before we completely leave uh, our discussion in Chicago and talk Trump, uh, which, by the way, just shows you how um, so how insular we are in Chicago. The former president of the United States uh, was formally arraigned yesterday on criminal charges. And we've spent an hour talking about Chicago politics. It's either uh, we really care about our city or it's a cry for help. Uh, I'm not sure which one it is, Delmarie Cop. All right. Uh, so 
I'll ask this final question before we move on to Trump, which is I could talk Trump for another hour, but I realize time is running out. Um, what lessons, in your humble opinion, will the great minds, the great political pundits of the United States take away from Chicago's election? I always get a little nervous, Delmarie, when <laughs> the political pundits start drawing conclusion about Chicago. Please don't write about Chicago. You know nothing about it. But they will draw lessons from it. So we already heard a little bit uh, the lesson Lynn Sweet drew from it which is that somehow or other, the 80% of the people who voted for the lefty are not lefties. Uh, and the 50% of the people who voted for the lefty are more lefty. Okay. I, I wasn't good at math. So, Delmarie, what, what lessons uh, do you think the national pundits will uh, draw from uh, Brandon's victory? Well, if anything, I think the pundits and, and Biden uh, should draw from the fact that the, the nation is moving more left of center. Uh, I mean, that's clear that that's happening. And um, and that doesn't mean, you know, and, and while the Republicans, on the other hand, continue to move more right of center. Um, and, and yet they're having one loss after the other. I mean, when you look at what happened in Wisconsin with the Supreme Court, I mean, are, are they taking any lessons from what's going on? They're losing one campaign after the other, one election after the other, and they still are continuing to talk this crazy talk about, you know, abortion and and the abortion pill and and um, uh, transgender and bathrooms and everything else they can come and up CRT. with. CRT. Yes, critical race theory and drag shows. All that's their. Whole, they're not talking about any policy issues. But Roe, what lessons do you think the national pundits will draw from Chicago? I don't think. I, more importantly. I think what you're going to see is Brandon will not get a honeymoon. Oh. That the that the the legacy media here in Chicago <laughs> is going to start nitpicking him to death from day one. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's not happening. Oh my goodness, <laughs> a honeymoon? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that has, I don't believe it. Go ahead, Delmarie. Well, just like they kept asking him, will he be beholden to CTU? Yeah. But they didn't ask Ballas, will he be beholden to Craig Duchessois, who gave him $760,000, or Michael and Rosalind Kaiser, who gave him $900,000, or Jennifer Prisker, or Ron Gitwis. They didn't ask him, was he going to be beholden to them? Absolutely. Absolutely well put. And by the way, I got to give a shout out to uh, Morgan. Elsie uh, Johnson from the tribe yesterday, she mopped the floor with Pat Brady. I'm just speaking for uh, every grateful lefty in the city of Chicago. Finally, Channel 9 put someone, uh, the first election, Delmarie, I know you're on Channel 5, so you can't talk about the competition. But the first election, they, I don't know what how they thought this crew that they put together in any way reflected the city of Chicago. It was all either centrists or right-wingers. So finally, they brought in... Uh, uh, last night morgan Elsie johnson and they got into it she got a debate with pat brady who's why would you even have the republican guy up there trump got 15 percent of the vote but somehow they dragged the republican guy in there she just mopped the floor with them i haven't seen a one-sided fight like that since 1971 when muhammad ali went whoop jerry quarry and they could quarry couldn't come out for the pat brady was like I'm going to mix my metaphors. No mas, no mas. <laughs> I'm mixing up a whole different fight, Robert Cooper right, right. Duran. <laughs> but whatever, I get carried away. Um, all right. 
Monroe, Trump, 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 and Trump. Uh, the headline in the New York Times says that all this is just this just shows how perverse uh, this man is. Trump charged with 30, 34 felonies. DA cites payoffs. Get ready for this list, guys. Payoffs to a porn star, a Playboy model, and a doorman. I've forgotten about the doorman. That was, <laughs> a doorman. Yeah, that, yeah I had. Yeah, right. <laughs> forgot about that dude that's the guy wasn't he the one that said that uh that he had proof that trump had an affair and had an illegitimate kid somewhere in right right <laughs> what and a trump president goes, <laughs> trump goes well i don't know anything about it but let's give him some money to make sure he <laughs> keeps his mouth shut just in case he's right <laughs> what a president hey hey maga good job with that guy you elected all right uh, so Monroe, you're, uh, you were correct. Trump was indicted. He was formally arraigned. Uh, Delmarie, just so you know, Trump is, uh, Monroe has been p- predicting this since 2017. Okay. It took him to, he been saying this, you watch Trump's going down. Uh, so your thoughts, uh, Monroe, and, as you and were he's watching not that. done yet. He's Trump is, <laughs> Trump is a one man crime wave. So. <laughs> So they will be doing, he will be getting other indictments yeah. before it's over. <laughs> so what's your thoughts on the strategy Trump's uh, pursuing Monroe to whip up MAGA into a uh, frenzy uh, to try to like scare off the judge and scare off uh, Alvin Braggs and to scare off the Democrats? No, he pardoned Blago. He should give him a call and ask him what he think. What does he think of that strategy? <laughs> because at some point, yeah. a judge will be sentencing him, <laughs> and uh, for some reason, judges don't particularly like people that uh, pee down their leg and tell them it's raining. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Demarie, I uh, think it's what are your thoughts of the Trump strategy uh, that he's pursuing right now? Well, it's just, you know, it's vintage Trump. I mean, that's what he does. This is his MO is he, he doesn't care anything about this. He's using it as an opportunity to raise more money. He's raised $4 million since uh, the indictment. And, and as uh, Mayor, uh, Major Garrett said yesterday uh, or this morning on the news that the indictment at Mar-a-Lago last night was like an indictment party. Uh, they had, the, the food was flowing, the drinks were flowing, everybody was having a good time. And uh, they said the only thing that brought it, the, the mood down was Trump coming up there talking about all his grievances. And so that's that's the same kind of campaign he's gonna run. It's gonna be all about him because everything is about him. It's not about anything else. And so he's in his element and, and he could care less about um, of uh, 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 whipping these people into a a fury, uh, a fervor, uh, to the point that we saw during uh, January 6th. He will do it again and again and again. And if they're crazy enough to follow him, as, as they said during January 6th, well, our president asked us, and uh, he's going to keep asking them. And but they're, they're done with him, though. That's the thing is they're done. Most of the people foolish enough to fall for that and go violent are already in jail. Right. <laughs> so, so, so his his players, you know, he 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 he's 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 dependent on the on the bench right now, 
when the benches sit that out said we saw what happened to the leaders and we don't want to follow that path right, so, right. He, so he's embarrassed you know right. he he went into new york thinking that the, it was going to be throngs of his supporters out there going free free donald trump free donald trump and there were more anti-trump protesters out there waiting on him than there were Trump protesters. And as they said, more reporters. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, right. And more reporters, right. And yet, I'll throw this at you. I hear I hear what you're saying, Monroe. I absolutely hear what you're saying uh, in terms of like a mob. Maybe there's the people aren't ready to uh, go to jail for Donald Trump. Maybe right. all those people who were willing to do that are already in jail, and even some of them have had enough of it. So maybe he can't whip up a mob like he can. But uh, the polls, and this one, I, I need some help with this. Uh, MAGA poll, the polls of the Republican Party show that uh, his popularity has gone up since his indictment. Um, and this kind of couples with uh, what Delmarie was saying. In Wisconsin yesterday, there was a race for state Supreme Court, a Democrat versus Republican, and essentially abortion rights were on the ballot. The Democrat would let everyone know uh, that she was for abortion rights, and the Republican had a whole history of being anti-abortion rights. Uh, now, he tried to pull a little uh, slick Paul Vallis move and move away from it uh, in this election by saying, <laughs> I love when they do this, I'm going to be a judge and I can't comment on any cases that come before me, so I can't tell you how I'm going to vote, even though like, like, so that means we're just going to ignore the first 62 years of your life or whatever it has been. <laughs> Uh, I guess you really think we're stupid. Um, so they're pursuing a policy, Delmaria Monroe, that has failed in the last several elections. Like this cult of the fetus where this unbending attitude to uh, desire, determination to outlaw abortion. They're going to get rid of the abortion pill. That ruling, that judge in Texas is getting ready to make that ruling, Delmarie. They're just going down this path, and they're swearing loyalty to this crook, this grifter, Donald Trump. This failed in 2020. It failed by a large 2022. Have they lost their minds? Is there no logical human being in any way connected to the Republican Party right now? Delmarie Cobb. Yeah, they have lost their minds. And because they, those people who still have some minds uh, are scared to speak up uh, because uh, of, of the people who are in Donald Trump's corner and who are supporters. Uh, and that's that's the saddest part about it, is that people who know better and should be speaking up are afraid to speak up. And because they're afraid of these crazy people who Donald Trump keeps throwing red meat at. And, and so that's the saddest part. I mean, to watch this is almost, I mean, it's unbelievable to watch what's going on in this country. Monroe? Part of the problem is Fox, and it has its own problems now. But Fox has allowed Trump and the other crazy Republicans to have 
an enclosed world where they only hear what they want to hear and um, it's racist, it's misogynistic, it's uh, homophobic. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hateful world, but this is what the people who are in that world want and want to experience it, so it gives it to them. But I, I, I think that bubble's gonna get popped by, by the time uh, the lawsuit is finished with, with Dominion. It's, 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 Fox is gonna have to cough up 1.6 billion at least, I think. Uh, and while it won't, put them, it, won't, it won't put them out of business, it will hurt. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, Somebody, I forget where I learned about the concept of a loss leader in business. And a loss leader in business is the money you spend up front, you lose it, you don't gain it in order to make more money down the road. Do you think it's possible that the powers that be at Fox, you know, the Murdochs, et cetera, and so forth, figure, well, whatever we lose in this Dominion case is just the money we have to pay to keep our audience intact and uh, keep more money flowing in? Or do you think they could actually learn a lesson, like a pocketbook lesson? Do you follow what I'm saying, Monroe? Yeah. I don't, you know, this is real money. <laughs> when you talk about 1.6 billion, and they're gonna, the, the fact that they're gonna pay this and that they're gonna have to confess that they were lying to these people. It will hurt them. Now they won't they, their audience won't go away, but it will be diminished. Yeah, to admit that they lied. Yeah, that would that's uh hard to run away from that. Mm -hmm. Uh Marie, I'll allow you the closing thoughts on this. Your uh, thoughts about Fox and politics today. Go ahead. Well, I think they never Fox never thought in a million years that Dominion would actually uh, pursue a lawsuit against them. And I am just so glad that they did. And because we are learning the truth about Fox. I mean, you know, we found out that all these uh, emails and text messages and all of that were being sent and uh, where they don't believe anything that they are saying. They're just doing it for the ratings and don't even like Donald Trump and, and want him to go away. I mean, so they're saying that secretly and then giving us something else on the outside which shows you you know we know that they're not a news organization uh in the way that they should be but uh this is all about um just stirring up their followers to keep viewers it's all about viewership and i hope and i'm so glad that dominion decided they weren't going to roll over and play dead and that they were going to fight them all the way uh because that was the last thing they ever expected yeah all right, uh, Delmarie, thank you so much for coming on. And Monroe, every Wednesday comes on. And Monroe, maybe next week there'll be another Trump indictment to discuss. Uh, <laughs> although my guess hey, is we'll... <laughs> George, George is going to happen at the end of this month, the beginning of next month. You know, Monroe, and I'll repeat to you what, every, what I say all the time. I, I am just astounded it's taken them so long. They have the man on recording telling them what what is it monroe get rid of the votes or what i, need yeah, I just need eleven thousand eight hundred and seventy votes eleven thousand eight hundred and seventy votes 
Hey, Paul Vallis, you're tough on law and order. That's pretty much a blatant violation of law and order. Or maybe now you got a little free time in your hand. Maybe you can go help the prosecutors down in George. All right, Delmarie. But anyway, yeah. mark this on your calendar. Go ahead. End of April, beginning of May, Trump gets indicted in Georgia. I'm writing that down right okay. now. Trump gets indicted. That's the one I really want to get to the. I mean, that is such. Oh, I mean, all of them are horrible. No, uh, no, 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 yeah, no, no. But no. that is such a blatant violation. Go ahead, Monroe. Yeah. yeah. No, the documents and what Jack Smith is going to do is what is what's really going to put Trump in a, a world of, uh, of hurt. You talk about the documents, or are you talking about January sixth? Both. He's doing both. <laughs> yeah, he's doing, <laughs> he's yeah. doing both. Yeah. And he's. And, and 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 he's a no nonsense. He 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 was um, putting Nazis in prison. <laughs> no, I uh, I'm I'm following this uh, as closely as Monroe is. Uh, maybe not as passionately. Uh, and I know we're going to have a lot of Trump conversations coming up, folks. Uh, our obsession with Chicago mayoral election will uh, diminish now that the election's over, although there's the city council reorganization fight coming up. So Chicago politics never completely goes away. Uh, but I do have a feeling, Monroe and Delmarie, that more of my attention and your attentions will start shifting. Oh, to let me ask Delmarie something before we go real quick. Go. And with this new independent uh, city council, do 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 you think um, that Mayor Johnson will be able to herd the cats or what? Well, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see one if it holds up. That's the first thing uh, because they have to vote on it, and um, it and the you know the, the, the alliance that has been pulled together, twenty eight uh, committeemen. Uh, or committee chairs, I should say, uh, in order to get the vote, um, that's going to be interesting. So I think um, because then the other issue is how do you pay for that? Uh, so that's going to be part of the discussion. So it's going to be interesting. But I mean, he says he's uh, a collaborator, and um, he's going to, and his whole thing is to try to get people to the yes. And so he's going to um, have to negotiate with them and bargain with them if in fact it winds up passing the city council. And, and let me remind uh, Mayor-elect Johnson uh, some simple math. You only need 25. <laughs> you only, you, this thing about the ROM thing, the ego thing, where you need like, I need a 48 to 2. Right. Yeah, no, no. 48 to 2 doesn't count any more than 25-25 and you cast the deciding vote. You only right. need 25. <laughs> it, you know, it, so don't go insane trying to get those ROM mandates. You know, Delmarie Rom just thought he would, it meant more. You know what I mean? If he could browbeat the aldermen and all the aldermen lining up for him. He took it as a personal slight. Yeah, he did. He took it as a personal slight. All right. Very good, Delmarie Cobb. Thank you so much. Outstanding job as you always do. And uh, the legendary Monroe Anderson every Wednesday in the show. I can't thank you guys enough for coming on, talking Chicago politics with me. So thank you very much. Uh, and also want to thank producer Chris. He does an outstanding job as always. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Take care, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more, all at chicagoreader.com. 
And find more from The Ben Jarofsky Show all over the internet on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.